podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. We have got a jam-packed show coming your way with all pro stalwart Ben Isaacs back in the house getting you that extra bit ready for the forthcoming season we'll get you up to speed on all the latest news from around the nfl some big retirements that we're going to tell you about we're going to try something new on the show (laughs) today which we're calling rookie roulette and you could probably join the dots and work out what we're doing with that but that should be a lot of fun as well uh sneaking one or two from the mailbag as well and i'm sure there'll be a lot of nonsense uh, talking about quarterback and other things with Ben, uh, seeing as he loves to go a little bit left field. So we'll get into all of that and more right here on the Nat Coombe Show. Ben, good to see you, bud. Uh, we've got a ton to get into on today's show. We are, most excitingly of all, playing Rookie Roulette. Yeah, I'm, I've got a big pile of chips here. And yes. I don't know. I don't know when I'm gonna when I'm gonna push them in on mm-hmm. one of these rookies, but it's gonna happen. So we should explain probably to listeners who aren't familiar with rookie roulette because I'm not sure we've ever done it on the show. More, we've just discussed it at two a.m. in a bar. <laughs> rookie roulette, which I think was inspired to some degree by uh, your suggestions when we first knew the draft was going to be in Vegas, which of course was a couple of years back, and then ended up finally being this year. All the different things that they should have added, frankly, to spice up the draft: uh, a wheel of fortune. Mm. Play blackjack against Goodell to get an extra pick, supplementary yeah. pick, that kind of thing. And Rookie Roulette, we thought, well, we want to start previewing some of the big names that are coming into the NFL this season via the draft. And we've done a lot of good draft stuff. You can check it out in the vault. Uh, sterling work from Ben and the crew, uh, you know, a month or so back. Uh, go and check that out in the pod vault. But as we start to get towards the season, we want to make sure that you guys at home are up to speed with all these new faces. And there might be, as there always is with me, and I and I cover the game professionally, certain players that concentrate on more than others. And suddenly the season started. Thinking, yeah, no, I know he went in the first round, but uh, a huge amount of bad. So we're going to try and fill the gaps there and do it in the fairest possible way, because there might be players that your team has drafted. You want this inside skinny. And it's not fair necessarily that we, we concentrate on your team as opposed to the guy next to your team. So we're going to, we're going to do it the fair democratic way. A game close to our hearts mm. using roulette, rookie roulette. We have no expense spared, Ben, on the sound, board that uh producer ollie has put together for this okay okay uh so we're gonna <laughs> roll uh spin the roulette wheel a bit later on and wherever the ball lands on will be a rookie uh, and you're going to give us the inside skinny we'll start to look at where we think that season could go now we know a lot more about rosters uh certainly uh, rookies at the higher end of the draft board who expect to be starting and factoring in that that starting setup we'll uh, we'll look at that so we've got five or six of those we'll do uh we've got uh, some mailbag as well but we're going to kick off with news this week because there's a lot of news flying around some very sad news some melancholic news uh, and uh, a few other bits and pieces too let's start with the melancholic because mm. Fitz is finally calling it a day yeah, the magic is over. Yeah, it is. It is. 17 seasons. The man has had nine teams. Uh, it's interesting. He's one of those players. Uh, I saw uh, Handsome Hank, the great Henry Hodgson, pushing this out on his Twitter feed, just saying how beloved he was by neutrals. And that summed it up perfectly. I think, can't think of a, a many other players, particularly in the last four or five years of his career, more liked by fans across the league than Fitz. 
Yeah, do you know what though? When you say it's absolutely right, um, beloved by neutrals, but it's because he played for so many teams, you cannot associate him completely with one team. Now, maybe, maybe if your team was on the receiving end of some late game fits magic, you might be like, oh, that guy, that guy. Whereas everybody else, he's he's either played for your team <clears throat> or you've just enjoyed well, watching him. You're welling him. up, Benny. It's emotional, aren't you? It's emotional. It. It's yeah. emotional. He's been like, he's obviously not a Hall of Famer, right? Hot take. But I think, I think we need to recognize the achievements and what what he's done for the game. He was like, he's, he came in from Harvard. Not many players come in from Harvard. He came in with an um, economics degree and he did, he did earn more money than any seventh round pick mm. in NFL history. But was it the beard? Was it his... Definitely was the beard. Was it his fearless play? It was everything with him. He's like, when I, when I think of him, I think of him not actually something he did on the field. And yes. maybe that's maybe that's unfair, but I I think of him in Deshaun Jackson's tracksuit at the press conference, <laughs> where he put on Deshaun Jackson's clothes uh, in the locker room. It was, it was after a game. I think the the Bucks had beaten the Eagles. It upset the Eagles, um, and he had a, he had a great game. And he decided to put on Deshaun Jackson's clothes. He rocked up at the press conference. He's there on the podium, and people are thinking he. This is weird. He's there with this open tracksuit. He's got sunglasses on. Yes. And eventually someone said, like, are these your clothes? And he said something like, well, the chest hair is mine. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a brilliant, brilliant story to paint the picture of, of latter era fits, which is, of course, where the legend was was mm. created, because it was a combination of all those all those things. The fact he was clearly having such a laugh and a good time, both on and off the field, that it was this kind of ridiculous tongue in cheek kitsch vibe that he was rolling out aesthetically and sartorially yeah. it, the explosive plays he obviously hot take coming up was the most talented quarterback of his generation and, and then some he reminded me I, I often think when i'm trying to weigh up fits those teams that are too good for the championship not good enough for the premier oh yeah those yo those yo-yo clubs you kind of right now you think of like a norwich and a fulham yeah he's that's a, that's him yeah, yeah, yeah with a bit of swag and, yeah. and, uh, and and I love players like that. You know, you and I have talked many a year and I've talked uh, for many a year on uh, on different shows I've done about my fascination with backup quarterbacks, but but particularly mm. the quarterbacks in that fit zone that are 27 to 32 in, in, terms, of, in <laughs> yeah. terms of talent power rankings. But then yeah. he was one of those players that parlayed that into uh, a, and you get a lot of them that parlay into a, a solid gig, you know, Matt Barclay, you know, players like this that are, that are, you know, uh, John Beck is going to come later on, mm -hmm. was a player that, that kind of rolled this out. Maybe Hoy is the, the prototype of that, that, you know, a, a career backup for many years at the Patriots in great organizations and the odd dance, the odd cup of coffee, but that, and respect to those players and they, they fascinate me as well, but Pitch is a level above really where, cause oh, yeah, starting, and not just eking it out, but explosive plays as well, adding to, adding to the legend. Last minute drama, big arm that he heaved it up. Wouldn't be afraid to uh, to put it all on the line, win or bust, uh, and did it all having it as we, as we suggested a huge amount of fun to boot. Interesting. I, I always felt sorry. I just want to say, I always felt like if as when he was a backup, if he came into a game because a player, if a quarterback was knocked out of the game. I'd think like oh, Fitz is going to win this. Yeah. But then if it was right, okay, 
he's he's going to be the starter for a team this season. I just think, oh yeah, Fitz is going to lose this. It was You're right. He was just kind of on that thing, but like he had in in 2015 with the Jets, he had a really great season and he set the franchise record. Um, he broke Vinny Testaverde's franchise record for passing touchdowns in a season for the Jets, mm. which is which is pretty impressive. But then, so he took them to the verge of the playoffs, and then he had this meltdown yes. in the fourth quarter of the final game through like three interceptions in the in the final quarter that cost them a place in playoff. He's the he's the guy that will he can drag you into playoff contention when you've got no right to be there. But also, he's potentially the guy who's going to let you down. And he was only starting for the Jets because Geno Smith was sucker punched yeah, by a teammate right. over a six hundred dollar debt. And like, this is the thing, right? Geno Smith is someone who will get sucker punched over six hundred dollars. Ryan Fitzpatrick won't. Ryan Fitzpatrick not just because he's got a dr- degree in economics and knows that right, a broken jaw is worse versus six hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that he was beloved in locker rooms. Mm. And the the thing is, is that like we know how. We know how players will like with a quarterback. They will, if you've got a quarterback in that room who is a terrible human being, mm. but he's the guy who could take you to a Super Bowl, they will rally around him, right? He will have been in locker rooms where he was not the most talented quarterback in the room, but he was a leader and the players absolutely loved him and knew that he would put his body on the line. He would do absolutely everything to win. He would outwork anybody. Mm-mm. And they would be happy to rally behind him, even though they knew there might be someone more talented. They'd feel like this is the guy. Yeah. And, and that's, he, that's big volumes. And as you suggested with, with Gino and I guess the, the career of this hinterland zone that he was in, uh, and, and a lot of pieces have made this point, emphasized this point in the last couple of days, his, his announcement, uh, retirement was announced that he was the prototypical placeholder right he was the interim mm. guy the caretaker a lot of the time you know last season of course that was was meant to be the case and he got injured early on week one uh, i think and and that was it that was that was all she wrote that is a great point you make on locker rooms getting behind you depend irrespective of ta- well, maybe not irrespective of talent but there is quarterback a versus quarterback b and b has got more talent but is unlikable mm. and doesn't have the that the rogers Russell Wilson level talent <laughs> yeah. and then quarterback A is demonstrably less of a player but a, a more stand-up guy they're always going to be right they're always going to back quarterback A and I've lost which one is quarterback A and B in this uh, analogy by the way <laughs> you, get, you get my point but you, you know what it reminded me of they're flipping this to a, a restaurant analogy because we do love our food versus mm. quarterback analogies on the show as you know it, when you go out for a meal and the food's okay but the staff are great. The vibe in the place is great. They've oh, got the music yes. bang on. You start a cracking night. You are going to remember that night, go back to that joint every time versus the one that, well, okay, sure. The kitchen is more refined. What came out was markedly better, but the waiter was pompous, a bit moody. It took 20 minutes to order a drink. The music was dry. Everyone was just sitting there, really. You know, you, you're always oh, going to take ab- the first place, right? Abs- absolutely, absolutely perfect. It might not be the place you're going to take if you need to kind of, you need to really, really impress someone who you think is going to be a bit stuck up, let's mm. say. But if it's like, right, we're all going out. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. We're going to have a really fun night. That is, that is, that is Fitzes. If that's if that's Fitzes. the restaurant, and I'm go- I'm going to Fitzes yes. tonight. God damn it! Oh my! Please, can we get a franchise rolling ro- to- as soon as we finish this part? I'm getting producer Ollie on it. Uh, We're and the thing this. is, he he's played for so many teams that it could be like an international chain and have like game worn merchandise from every team 
in every branch because there will just be yeah, so much so of it. So much of it. I'm going to Fitz's. I know you are back at home, guys. So let's make it happen, people. Let's make it happen. Uh, all right. So saluting, uh, saluting Fitz. Alex Mack, uh, another great retiring from football. Uh, Mack, of course, uh, achieved a lot more uh, in, in in his career. If we're if we're looking at and we're talking, I guess, about trajectory and uh, an ultimate. Um, uh, ultimate success uh, individually anyway a pro bowler one of the the, the top of his game um, but of course uh, it perhaps has less recognition than fits and that's just the, the nature of the the generation and the, and the game that we're in right and playing on the offensive line playing as a center those that know are going to know but uh, he wasn't exactly a uh, a household name in the same way that that skill positions are but an absolute giant of his generation and Whilst the 49ers have suspected this could be happening for a while, this leaves a big old gap in that offensive line that has already taken uh, a few hits in terms of personnel already. Lekin Tomlinson's gone and they've got looking into this and there was a good piece on The Athletic about, well, what do they do now? Jake Brendel is the backup center at the 49ers. So he Mm. looks like he's going to be initially taking the snaps and they seem to have strength and depth where they can interchange a number of players down the line, but without dropping hot take, well, let's, let's drop hot take number three in the first 10 minutes of the show. <laughs> Denter is, is a very important and specific position, particularly when you think about the quarterback that is probably going to be under the gun week one. Exactly. Exactly. You want, you want to have, if you've got a, a reasonably raw quarterback and you know, I'm, I'm sure he had a very, very productive off-field season with the 49ers learning everything because, you know, um, he's, a, he's an intelligent guy. When you have played as little football as he has, you want to have a center in front of you who has kind of seen it all. Yes. And I really did think that Alex Mack would be the guy who would be able to kind of guide him through that. You don't want to have someone who isn't quite as used to it. I think this mm. is a blow for the 49ers and it's it feels a little bit more painful because even though they were kind of suspecting it would happen when it happens actually in June, that's a lot worse than it happening. Say the day after the Super Bowl, right. and someone say, okay, look, I don't think my body can go through this. Um, I've done enough. I played nearly 200 games. I've, you know, I've faced a lot. I'm done. You know, they, they'll have had that. They'll have had their suspicions, mm. but it's good to know for sure way before, way before June, let's say. You know, it's interesting. It's a great point. Uh, and I think it's a problem. I want to come back to the Lance Garoppolo situation because I know it is, it might appear a little bit salacious and hype mongering and everything else, but I am really interested in this narrative. The injury to Garoppolo, as which we've talked about on the show, has affected so much, not least, of course, their, their ability to wheel and deal him. I'm still not convinced Trey Lance starts the season. I'm, I'm still not convinced. Now, I was looking into this a bit more. And you talk about Lance's off-season preparation with the organization. He's been hanging out, <clears throat> working with... You see, I'm getting emotional now. Fitz, it's a kind of <laughs> it's, retrospective it's, emotion. It's one of those days. It is. The uh, Have you heard of the 3D QB crew? Yes. Yeah. So for those of you out there that haven't, it is... Uh, Elite, called elite quarterback training, which means that would rule me and you throwing our hat in the ring for a couple of weeks <laughs> in the sun. Uh, the, the aforementioned John Beck, former NFL quarterback. Michigan was he in college, is that right? Yeah. John Beck? Yeah, Michigan. Yeah. And then, of course, had a, had a number of years in uh, in the pros at the Finns and, and various other teams. 
is part of the crew at, at 3D QB where, where quarterbacks go and, and sh- work on uh, kinks they've got to iron out or in, in the case, of course, of Trey Lance, just builds up that core knowledge he needs, reps he needs to, uh, to get uh, ready to start in, in the NFL. So he's been putting in the time, Ben, at 3D QB uh, and is clearly the answer for the 49ers as far as they understand it right now. But at what point do you think if Lance in camp is not looking where they want him to be, Garoppolo's back and fit, but they haven't dealt him. At what point do you think they make a decision on, hang on a minute, We've because as we've mentioned before in the off season, this isn't just a team that could go nine and eight, you know, could sneak a wild card. This is a team that thinks they can contend, believes they can contend for the championship. Yeah, um, I'll correct myself. John Beck went to BYU, not me. Oh, okay. No. Um, um, that's on me. I think it will, it, something that will need to happen in preseason that if if Garoppolo is still on the roster and it just every as each day passes, it looks more and more likely he will still be on the roster. They they don't seem to find a willing trade partner for him. Um, I think there will come a point where they will just have to they will have to let these let the two quarterbacks compete in training camp, let them compete in preseason, and they will have to make a call because if they can't if if they are quote unquote stuck with Garoppolo. And he's the guy who is most likely to help them win games next season and make another run at the Super Bowl. They would be crazy to not do it. Now, the long-term future of the of the 49ers is not going to rest with Jimmy Garoppolo. But the problem is, is if Jimmy Garoppolo beats out Trey Lance again, then maybe the future of the 49ers does not belong to Trey Lance either. Now, Trey Lance, Trey Lance, I was going to Trey Lawrence. Trey Lance is exceptionally talented but he has played very few games. He's basically had one full season of college football mm-hmm. and not even at the top level of college football. You know, he didn't, the the COVID season, he didn't, he played one game. So he is, you know, he has not got a lot of experience. He has not been hit much. He has not faced many game time decisions. And he desperately, more than any of the quarterbacks who were drafted the year that he was drafted, he needs those minutes on the field. And it really will hurt his development. So the, the 49ers have got a real dilemma because if they keep him off the field, it may prevent him from ever becoming their starting quarterback. But if they rush him in and they've mm-hmm. got Garoppolo there, they might cost themselves a chance at the Super Bowl. So do you think, right, we need to worry about what could happen in five years' time? Or do you think, right, our Super Bowl window is closing rapidly. The only person who can get through it is Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you do? And in that situation... I think they would end up going with Jimmy G. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly summarized. And I don't think that uh, that one is a is an open and shut case. I really don't. I think uh, I think there is more to that, particularly with these changes on the line. I really do. Uh, but look, I understand that looks like it is hype mongering, but I'm really not trying to do that. I am fascinated by the quarterback situation there. We will get into rookie roulette in just a moment. And as I mentioned, we've got some mailbag as well, uh, but we need to raise a glass to uh, two players that have died way before their time in, in the last week. Jeff Gladney, a current uh, player, aged just 25. He was a first rounder when the Vikings picked him up the corner, applying his trade with Arizona, of course, latterly. And Marion Barber, former Dallas Cowboy, 
just 38 years old, had a, a really solid career in the, the second half of the noughties, a, a no-nonsense running back, always a player that I admired watching. There is inevitably, there are players that you have a connection with for different reasons. And uh, they aren't necessarily, back to my Alex Mack and Fitz point earlier on, aren't necessarily always going to be the standout superstars of the generation that you're talking mm. about. Marion Barber, when I heard the news and Barber died at age 38 and articles written in the immediate aftermath uh, emphasized the mental health problems he was having. I was reading that his family are not going to be donating his brain for um, uh, in terms of the CTE mm-hmm. uh, research because Barbara had expressed that he doesn't want that to happen. But the suggestions are maybe that this is another tragic legacy of, of uh, the impact of too many concussions or concussions as a player and the, and the, the wear and tear that players take. But that is, of course, is speculation, but nevertheless is something you've got to consider. But Barber was a player that was never the standout guy, was never the all-pro superstar, but really, really captured my attention. And it was partly because I was cutting my teeth as a broadcaster and his career um, – uh, and at the height of his career, I guess, is, uh, with the Cowboys in his most successful years was around the time I was I was, uh, I was a rookie broadcaster, a young broadcaster. So I have immediate kind of connection with that era in the same way you'd certain players when you're a kid uh, that sure. aren't necessarily the Reggie Roby, the Dolphins punter is a player. <laughs> you know, yeah. The great Reggie Roby, Finn's family will know. But, you know, not Marino, he's not the Marx Brothers, but John Offerdahl, you know, certain players that you just connect with it. And Barber was one of those. I, I loved his, his, his style of play and uh, he had a, a solid, solid career, if not an, an extraordinary career. Um, gladly. He, was an, he was an angry runner. You know, he yeah, would get right. the ball and he would run angry. And that is always so much, so much fun to watch. He, mm. would, he would take a handoff and he would run the ball like, this might be the last time I ever get to run the ball. Yes. And I'm going to go all out. You know, he wasn't someone who was just going to kind of like quickly step out of bounds. He didn't seem to take anything for granted on the field Mm. with the, with the way, with the ball in his hands, he would just kind of, he would just run through people. Mm. Um, And yeah, that's, and that's it. Those, those moments sometimes just really, really stay with you. Mm. Um, If it, if it's, especially if it's a kind of a formative, a formative point in your life. And I think there'll be a lot of listeners who will think the same thing mm. about him that you're right. He's not the absolute superstar, but there will just have been these moments that even if it's not like, Oh, remember this one, remember this one, remember this one, mm. just the accumulation of those things that Marion Barber just felt like a really reliable guy. Des Bryant, former cowboy, of course had written because Barbara, I think has been, had been struggling for a while by all accounts. And Brian had written, uh, I can't even enjoy it talking about some clips he'd posted in relation to a project he's working on a barber as a player because he's down and out bad. Uh, and Brian went on to say with just a stat and moments to most people, just a stat and moments to most people mm. really um, always have to remember in situations like this, exactly that point that we love the game. We talk about the game all the time and whether you're doing it, for a living, whether you're doing it for fun because you're a fan, that is something that that day in, day out, we're following, we're talking, we're watching, enjoying the game. And it's easy to forget that we're talking about individuals and 
human beings and that they have problems like everybody else and lives with twists and turns like everybody else, even often because of the money and the trappings and everything that comes yeah. with it. Right. Um, so raising a glass to, to Marion Barber and Jeff Gladney, just 25 tragic a car, another tragic accident, a car yeah. crash. Um, as I said earlier, a 2021st rounder, immensely talented player, had some off the field, uh, incidents, although it's important to note that um, he was found not guilty of the charges that he was. Um, this was earlier this year, right? So yeah, and that, that cost that basically cost him his job with the Vikings. Yeah, you know, when he he had to he had to miss a season, uh, and then he signed on with the Cardinals. He was he was only just right. He signed with the Cardinals. Yeah, months yeah, very very new. And you know, I remember him coming out of uh, out of TCU as a rookie, really really talented. He was someone I had high expectations mm. for. Um, and it, it sort of got derailed and I thought, okay, let, let's see now that he's, now that he's put that court case behind him, let's see what he can, let's see what he can do. We're going to see the real, the real Jeff Gladney and, you know, a, a tragic car accident um, that took his life and his partner's life um, as well. They, they hit a car and the people in the other car were fine. Um, but, uh, but they both, that they both died, but, you know, just, just 25 you know that's someone who mm. only came into the nfl in 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 recent years this isn't even a kind of a, a you know someone who someone who retired um it's it's just absolutely horrible raising a glass to, to both of them both lost far far too young all right we're gonna do a bit of mailbag we are going to talk rookies as well before we do though ben because you know as well as I do. And Propo, I think, generally retains this information, but occasionally it kind of flips um, in and out uh, of his psyche. College football returning to Ireland this summer, northwestern Nebraska, and we are going to be there the 27th of August. Now, tickets are still on sale, still available. A limited number of tickets available. So go to collegefootballisland.com. They're on general sale now. Get involved. Get your tickets. We are going to be there. We think we were talking about this before we started recording the show Thursday night, mm. uh, which means Friday could be an interesting day. If we get there Thursday <laughs> night, and we head straight to it. This all depends, of course. It's going to be me. It's going to be you, Propo. Uh, we're negotiating Carlson at the moment. I mean, if Carlson's out there with us, then that Thursday night could get messy. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Carlson, uh, college. I'm not going to, I'm not going to continue <laughs> where that line of thinking was going either way. Uh, you need to be there. It's going to be a brilliant build up, Lots of fun before the game and incredible spectacle to experience at the Aviva stadium in Dublin, 27th of August, Nebraska, Northwestern get involved with that. And there's a game next year as well, Ben. Yeah. 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 The, um, what I want to well, actually, just what I want to say about, um, this year's game in, in Dublin, mm. um, especially because of, especially because of the Nebraska fans, the Nebraska fans are going to take over Dublin. They are mm. one of the, they're one of the, you know, the biggest and most storied programs in college football. But when you go to an NFL game in London, it's great, right? I, I love that. And I go to, I've, you know, I've been to every single game, but it is not like going to a it's not like going to an nfl game right it is like going to a london game and that's absolutely that's absolutely fine yeah right? it is it is what it is however i think that the way that the way that nebraska fans especially are going to travel to dublin dublin will be like going to an actual college football game whereas going to an nfl game in london is not like going to an nfl game it's like going to one of these big london games so 
if you've never had the chance to go to a college football game or you've been, you think, I want to do that again. The idea that it's happening relatively on your on your doorstep just mm-hmm. in Dublin means it's it's unmissable. Um, Northwestern will bring fans, but it's it's ne- Nebraska. They are going to go crazy. And then the year after that you mentioned, that's Notre Dame versus Navy. I mean, oh boy. <laughs> that's wow. gonna be, that one's going to be wild. So we're locked in. We're locked in for both. I'm just thinking as you're talking, is there a way that we can roll in some kind of Rudy-esque plot that oh. gets you on the sidelines? Uh, or maybe even maybe prop, maybe even prop O as, a, as an assistant coach on the, <laughs> on the Nebraska sidelines just for that, like a designated honorary assistant coach for the game. And he gets to call a couple of plays. Yes. Um, both of them leading to like 15-yard losses, presumably. Mm. Um, no, but, at, at giving up a touchdown. Yeah. Um, but strip sack, strip sack. It's it's, it's what the public, (laughs) it's what the public would want. You know, Mm. I think obviously a lot, a lot of the fans um, going over to Dublin will be going, you know, to see, to see me and you. Well, of course, I'd imagine thousands will be. Yeah. As much, as much as going to see a top level college football game. I think, I think, I think I could, I, I, right. I've, there were, there are certain things I feel that I could do completely unjustified. Like I feel I could, I feel I could land a plane. Um, I feel I could do that. <laughs> you could um, be the Nebraska pilot that flies them over. Oh, just a, have you, be, have you watched Top Gun Maverick? Uh, you have, haven't you? Oh, I haven't yet. I haven't oh, yet. Oh, I have. I saw it last week. <laughs> it is. I was talking to Andy Brassel. Some of uh, our listeners will know the great Brass, uh, uh, European football guru uh, and massive NBA fan as well. Love Brass. And um, we were chatting on WhatsApp and it is, I described it to him because he hasn't seen it yet. And actually admitted to me, Brass, I'm throwing you under the bus here, that he's never seen the first one. What? Which, which is, it, it, we're not talking about Michael Owen, who's only ever seen four, four films or whatever yeah. it is in his life. That Brass is one of, he's Carlson-esque in his incredible grasp of, so much pop culture, film, music, particularly with with brass, uh, it is an area when you think about how much he knows about football and how literate and and his knowledge is expansive across so much. You think, you know, how do you know this? All this other stuff as well, Carlson style. So for him not to see Top Gun is particularly startling, but he hasn't seen it. So, but he's going to watch it and watch it and watch the second ahead of us grabbing a uh, a bite to eat in a couple of weeks' time. And I said it, it. I was thinking I had to describe Top Gun Maverick, and it's great. I loved it. But it's a bit like um, if you got AI to look at all of basically everything that I've, I've ever consumed on Netflix and <laughs> everything ever, if there's a way of, of piecing all that together and I fill out X amount of you know, everything I've got on social media, everything I like and engage in and roll it all into some kind of program and spits out the film right, based on right. that it, it that's exactly how i felt it it was per- almost too perfectly formed <laughs> i i felt a little bit like that when i watched uh ghostbusters aftermath last year right, where i felt like right. it was okay you grew up at a certain time you were a certain age when you watched this film yes you you genuinely thought i'd like to be a ghostbuster when i'm older yes <laughs> what would it what would it be like if yes. i was a kid getting to be a ghostbuster and then these things happen and all these references to the previous films and all this pop culture stuff i thought like this is programmed for someone like me. It feels yeah. very, very cynical. And I don't care. I don't care exactly that it's cynical. Right. If you, you've made something for me, 
what sort of person am I going to be if I'm like, oh, yeah, it's too much for me. What? Yeah, yeah it, it perfectly described. Uh, and I'm not topping it. If you haven't seen it, go, go and watch Top Gun Maverick. It is, it is great. It's definitely one of those that's, that's worth seeing uh, in the cinema. And I think I was reading, I mean, it's doing great box office uh, and perhaps unsurprisingly, although I think the level that it's doing is, uh, is ra- raising a few eyebrows. And there is a, a good pod, which is part of the Ringer network called The Town, which is all about Hollywood and show business, basically. And suggesting, well, is this a real, is there going to be a real renaissance for, for, for movie going again? Because obviously with COVID and now you see films streamed and, much like the discussion that they've had for years with professional sport, that as broadcasting has improved and the caliber of broadcasting has improved, does that negate the need to the desire to go and see a game live? And so far, thank mm. God that hasn't affected it, but the suggestion as well as it gets better. And look, we've, I, I've definitely been there at times when, you know, I'm actually, I'm just going to chill at home, get some takeout and watch the game at home. In occasionally as opposed to going to see it live yeah. 99 times out of 100 i'd always want to see it live as opposed to not right but the suggestion that a lot of a lot of people are shifting more and more and more towards the home comforts and same with movies and that cinema going will become gradually outmoded and that was accelerated by covid but the suggestions in terms of the box office numbers of Top Gun Maverick, uh, forget about it <sighs> yeah you you can't beat that shared experience and like you'll mm. and the, this is this is kind of it with the with the game in Dublin. If you're a college football fan, you watch so many games each week. I mean, you know, there's you know, you might think, oh, there's a lot of choice with NFL games. Nothing compared with the choice you have college football on a on a Saturday from kind of like four o'clock in the afternoon till four a.m. You know, you've got mm. dozens and dozens of games all all at once. But then you kind of you get in that seat and it's happening in front of you, and you've got like passionate partisan fans as you will get at this more so than you will at the uh the nfl games in london mm. and then you then that's the sort of thing that rekindles your your love of like those these live events and having that having that shared experience and whether it's in the cinema and everybody everybody laughing at one at one joke at the same time yes or in a in a sports event you know some like incredible some incredible but it's like you know the quarterback lofts it up in the air and there's this kind of intake of breath from absolutely everybody mm. you can't you can't replicate you can't replicate that you know the the football is an amazing television sport mm. but as something to experience in the flesh surrounded by other people i was at the italy argentina football match at, at wembley the other night and just the atmosphere because it was such a kind of mix of italian fans and argentinian fans was absolutely amazing yeah you know it was it was just so much fun to be a to be a part of that and that's and that's the thing is that's why cinemas are great that's why live sport is great and that's why specifically i'm looking forward to dublin in august loving that loving that hey um before we get on to rookie roulette speaking of movies uh and of course the quarterbot reboot that we were talking about on the show quite recently for uh, for listeners who missed that episode me and ben uh, and for old school americanish listeners out there uh, we were thinking about rebooting the Quarterbot movie franchise from the Americanish days uh, with Quarterbot as a coach, and oh. uh, which I love and I want to develop. And I had lunch with Hollywood Dan, Hollywood Dan, uh, Dan Lowe, the brilliant Dan Lowe from Americanish days. But I had lunch soon after we'd been coincidentally discussing the Quarterbot reboot. Of course, Quarterbot, a subject close to, to Dan's heart. Uh, you can see where this conversation was going because we were we hadn't caught up for a, a long time. It's the first time. Uh, we'd seen each other for a few years. And so we were lots of stories flying backwards and forwards 
over a very decent Mexican lunch. And uh, I was telling him, he was telling me this brilliant story about uh, quite planes, trains and automobiles stranded in America and how he had some real nerve wracking moments. And he's telling me, all the, regaling me all these brilliant tales. And one of them was to do with how he was tr- driving down a mountain on a day that a storm hit. Basically. And that was that was the story. So I was reminding him of a story that uh, when we were in Spain and we'd gone to see uh, we traveled out of the city to driven into the hills. It was about an hour and a half drive to go and see a place called uh, a dinosaur theme park, which had animatronic dinosaurs, <laughs> which was called Dino Park. And the, the, the reason I was telling down the story is because we got similarly got stranded in the hills and got very touchy go if we were ever going to get back down again. <laughs> and it was getting very, uh, very uh, Twin Peaks scary. But we, we did. We managed to make it back. But as I was telling down the story and I said, yeah, so uh, this really bad, of course, Dino Park uh, was rubbish, right? It was just <laughs> half the dinosaurs were broken. There were about three people there. They were, they were just kind of moving, kind of their heads going... <laughs> I, was, I, I was expecting Jurassic Park, but mm. they didn't get. It. And I said Dino Park, and Dan goes, "Wait a minute, Dino Park? Was it just full of eighteen foot Dean Martins?" <laughs> That's where this conversation was going. So uh, he was very excited about the the Quarterbot movie reprise, uh, and thinking about casting. And Dan is a very a real high flyer in television, as you know, right? Very mm. connected guy. I think Dan could open up some doors for us with some with some big talent. Um, oh. So who do we want to put on the list, Ben? For uh, in what role? For just to kind of throw, because when I did earlier on this season or the end of last season, the Super Bowl for the BBC, they got John Ham, great John Ham, who Perfect. coincidentally is in Top Gun Maverick to um, to do the the opening monologue, John Ham. So I mean, it's possible, right? We can reach out to Hollywood A listers at that level, or perhaps we want to. We want to aim a little bit lower down, down the pecking order. Well, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of the hamster, John Ham. Mm. I like the idea of him being involved in some way. I mean, he could be um, like, you know, if when when Quarterbot makes his um, NFL coaching debut, he I can imagine him being like the GM or the yes. or the um, or skeptical the owner GM. of the team. Yeah, he's, he's skeptical GM. Yeah, he's just not he's not really He's not really a, a big a big fan of it. Um, yeah, because the owner's the one that's got to bring quarterback. I think it's the owner's decision. The owner yes. brings it, and maybe the oh, was the owner. Uh-huh. A, here we go. Was the owner the child of the <gasps> of the father owned the team when quarterback was quarterback? Oh my and god! The, <laughs> the kid is taken over the team now and yeah. loves quarterback because quarterback uh, quarterback was kind to him during a really difficult period in, in his life as a young child. Yeah, I think Kieran Culkin. I want <laughs> I want Kieran Culkin in that. Yes. Kieran, if you're listening, call us. Um I He'll think be He'll be listening. I think he would be he would be perfect. Um I mean he he would might be kind of similar to his kind of his succession character. You know, he's mm. kind of a bit there's something a bit off about him, but he has such affection yes. for Quarterbot. Because and he, was, he believes in Quarterbot. Because Quarterbot took time to befriend him <clears throat> when his father, who ran the, who was a great guy and a great team owner, but he was obsessed with the team. Yeah. And so Kit Culkins had this love hate relationship with the team because the team was what took his dad away from exactly. him. Exactly. Exactly. Attention away from him. Uh, and one his, other, his, 
His only friend was a robot. Was and, now, a robot. and now he's and now, now he's head he brings him back as head cut. Of course, it's Kit Culkin. Uh, one other thing, we'll, we'll build this as, as we get get into the season. The uh, the only other casting I want to throw on the table right now is got to be. I was thinking maybe he could be the rival head coach of the team that they go up against inevitably in the championship game. But I think that's too obvious. I'd like to suggest that we have Don Johnson, but mm-hmm. we have Don Johnson as a very skeptical offensive coordinator that just doesn't much. And, he, and he's maybe allied with John Hamm, doesn't like, you know, this whole move either. And, and Johnson is baffled. He wanted the gig. He should, he was next yeah, to the line for yeah, the gig. He yeah. didn't get it, but somehow Cordemont <laughs> wins him over. I think I think as well that Don Johnson, part it turns out part of the reason he's skeptical mm. is that he's had a tumultuous relationship with his wife and he has always suspected that his wife had an affair with a robot. <laughs> this is where and it's this is where he, we stop. We stop he, this week he's got about. this he's got this kind of anti-robot thing. And and over the over the course, his arc is that he realizes that his um his anti-robot attitudes mm are holding him back as a coach. Yes. And that if he can just, if he can embrace everything, yeah, he really ends up bonding. He's a better coach for um, it. And, it, and, it, and it, makes the, it makes the marriage stronger as well. And he gets, you know, a, and he gets a head coaching gig at another team at the end of the, at the end of the, and then yeah, that and, sets up the sequel. Yeah. And it, but he, he goes, he goes with the coach's blessing of like, yes. you know, I get it. I yeah. get it. You and your, you and your beautiful wife, you, you're going to move to this other franchise. Yeah. Um, and I, I love you. We've we've built great things together. This is the right move for you. Good luck. You know, I'll see you in the Super Bowl. That's I would it. like uh, Summer from the OC to play his wife. <laughs> Rachel Bilson is playing, yeah. is play, is playing his yeah. wife. All right. We better get down to rookie roulette. Now, listen, like I said, this is uh, where we're going to uh, roll the uh, spin the wheel. Second time I've done that, I roll the dice, spin the wheel, and it's going to land on a rookie. Uh, so we've got uh, an actual, uh, not an actual full size roulette wheel here, but we've got a, a roulette spin, uh, spinner with uh, different rookies and different numbers associated with them, right? So, Ben, yeah. you are you set? I'm set, I'm ready, I'm ready. I've got my chips. Okay, propo, as I say, no expense, Ben, get ready for this. This is going to blow your mind. That's it. That's the wheel in motion. Oh, oh. oh it is landed on number 16. Rookie okay. 16 is Drake London. Oh, oh well. Done here, of course, is just have the numbers correspond to the, when they went in the first. <laughs> oh, I mean, potentially, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just first rounders. So uh, it is a combination of the two. So Drake London, uh, USC wide receiver, went eighth to the Falcons. So... I, I mean, I, I love Drake London. I love Drake London, and we talked about him a lot last season. We did um, in the in the run up in the run up to it. I think he is someone who is going to be a like a genuine a genuine threat um, to be offensive rookie of the year. I think they're going to use him a hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, I think he's someone. I think you can expect a one thousand yard season from him. Um, I think he is going to be he is going to be a top top wide receiver over the next few years and i would be surprised if any i mean the NFL's full of surprises but right now i'd be surprised if any rookie wide receiver ended up with more receiving yards than him wow wow that is a big call i am with you a hundred percent on that i mean i'd sketched out uh some things in terms of players 
that uh, that could come up because it's mainly first round we've got here and we snuck in a few second rounders. Uh, that's exactly what I put. A thousand yards, eight touchdowns in the rookie of the year running, I put. Uh, mm. And if you look at the depth chart there, he is the go-to guy with Pitts, right? But they are going to yeah. drive that offense and they don't have a huge amount else. So he's going to see a lot of looks and a lot of action and big, big season for Drake London. All right, it's a good start. Let's roll again. You ready? Yep. Oh, I th- yeah. I think-, <laughs> <laughs> I think that hit. All right. This has gone to Kenny Pickett. Kenny now, Pickett. Now, is Kenny Pickett going to start the season week one, do you think? Um, I'm, my guess is no but that I think he will start most of the season for the Steelers. I'm, I think, I think that Trubisky will start the season. Yeah. Um, and I think for one reason or another, whether it's an injury or whether it's just, they, they feel it's Pickett's time. I think they're going to get Pickett in. I think it's going to be a transition season for the Steelers, but he's going into a, he's going into a good, a good situation there he's obviously the favorite for um rookie of the year because Mm. if you are if you are a quarterback and you are expected to start at least most of the season then they're ready to kind of they're already sort of starting to engrave your name on the award because it's it's not really offensive rookie of the year it's um a rookie quarterback who played a lot um or a (laughs) a ridiculous season from someone else yeah um i'm still aggrieved that justin jefferson didn't win offensive rookie of the year but that's mm. that's an argument for another podcast i think he's going to start most of the season mm-hmm. i think he'll i think he'll look good but not great i've said you know he's a he's a high floor low ceiling guy i think he's reliable i think you can win games with him he's not going to be like um ben roethlisberger in terms of kind of like pulling things out of the fire but i think he's going to be solid and i think he can become a fan favorite this year with pittsburgh <laughs> He is currently third on the depth chart in Pittsburgh. I love call that so Tomlin-esque. Just- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Earn it, rookie. Tomlin and Flores. Great piece I was reading about Flores and how he's just the perfect fit for Pittsburgh. I, I, I love that signing. And he is just already making waves there. I, I mean, what a, what a brilliant dynamic that is. You've got Tomlin wheeling in Flores. It's just Avengers style. Yeah, <laughs> love it. I love it. Anyway, this is what um, Pickett said. I didn't think I was going to walk in and be the number one, right? (laughs) That that statement tells me everything that he's really, really pissed off that he's he's third on the dead shot. Okay, uh, let's roll. Yeah, is Kenny Pickett like the guy in draft day that um, that he doesn't take? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. All right, you ready? Let's do it. Here we go. Here we go, man. Are you excited? I feel lucky now. I feel lucky. Bringing back memories. <laughs> it ends very abruptly there. It really does. <laughs> Quite aggressive roulette wheel. But it has landed. Ah, Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. Corner for the Chiefs. And this is what I love about him. Looking up, uh, looking in a bit more to, to Trent McDuffie. Going into, of course, Chiefs. Defense, a chief secondary that has been much maligned for, for many seasons and obviously an area they're really looking to, to re-up and they're expecting him to be a de facto starter week one. He's their first rounder. And the signs are promising if you listen to his work ethic. This is what McDuffie, it's how he's explained he's approaching things at the moment in the offseason, certainly earlier in the offseason. I try to get through every game and all the games from last season. So I start at 530 
This is after he's been training, working out. And at about 10 o'clock at night, I watch at least four games a day. I feel that's helped me so much. He is a film, Belichick-esque film room focus going on there. Yeah, like I've I've always liked Trent McDuffie. Right, he so he went to he went to high school at St John Bosco, which mm. is just one of the it's a it's a production line, you know, for kind of college football and then and then the NFL. He had a fantastic fantastic career at the University of Washington. You know, he's an All American there, super hard worker. But I think sometimes sometimes people people talk about his his brains and his hard work a little bit too much mm. simply because. We often talk about that sort of thing because a player lacks some of the physical skills that they right. make up for with this, but he's got physical skills as well. He is someone who can be, he can be a pro bowler, um, maybe not next season, although, I mean, you never know. Um, he's someone I think is going to have a really great career for the Chiefs. I think this was, a, this was a, this is a great, great fit for them. I think he will be a day one starter. I think he's an upgrade and I think he will be someone who, if the Chiefs have a very good season, which I expect them to, I think people will point to his play as one of the main reasons for that, shoring up that defense. All right, let's uh, spit it again. We'll do one more and then we'll get to the mailbag. Here we go. Oh, it's it's landed on zero, Ben. Green zero, <laughs> which we always back, of course. We always take green zero. Um, and of course, in some... Uh, some establishments, they have double zero, which is sneaky, sneaky, very sneaky, Nino, very... I don't like double zero. I'll always back zero. Um, and it's Wondell Robinson, the Giants' second round receiver, who uh, stats fans will love the fact that he had the shortest arm length in the entire draft <laughs> class. And uh, we love a small hands discussion here when we're talking about <laughs> yeah. prospects in the draft and, and subsequent rookies. Uh, some of the smallest hands to boot. Before you, you answer it, Ben, I just want to read a quote from Brian Dayball. Uh, about Wondell Robinson and more broadly about the Giants offense, because I thought this was interesting. So Dayball says, I think uh, talking about Robinson, of course, I think he can play inside and I think he's strong enough and fast enough, even though he's a smaller, shorter guy that he can contribute outside too. And he went on to say, just in terms of the Giants offense, what we're trying to do is put as many generating pieces out there to create pace and stretch the field, whether it be vertical or horizontal. And this is another good guy that has ability to run after the catch, which is an important aspect of it. So is Robertson one of those players that could go off and just be explosive from the get-go? Yeah, although I worry that he is a bit like one of the animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Uh, do arms. <laughs> yeah, the, the arms are just like that. Um, right. The thing, the thing they're going to have to do with him, and I appreciate they say they, you know, they could use him on the outside, and he did plenty of that um, in college. I think the way they're going to need to use him a lot is is short passes, perhaps some kind of like, you know, behind behind the line of scrimmage and just get the ball in his hands and have him do something, make those plays with the ball in his hand rather than having to fight 50-50 balls. I think you can surprise people with those 50-50 balls because he is very athletic, mm. but it is going to be difficult if he's up against like a 6-2 corner with with longer with longer arms, a bigger wingspan, it can be it can be hard. But I do like him. And I think it's all about making sure he's got the ball in his hands rather than simply kind of those long vertical routes. I got think it. he's someone who's he's particularly shifty. I think he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. And someone who Giants fans, I think you become like a bit of a, a cult hero. Just the excitement when he's got the ball in his hands, mm-hmm. just about getting him 
in that position. Mm, okay. Intriguing team, the Giants this season, I think. I'm, uh, very, I wanna, yeah, very. I want to break them down more. We'll do that another time. We'll, uh, we'll obviously be looking at all the runners and riders in the build-up to the 2022 season. Before we get out of Dodge, let's go to the mailbag. We'll sneak one in. Uh, and apologies, because we're intending to do more. But what time is against us, unfortunately. We've got a hard out today. Uh, so this is from AK. And AK asks, I've heard a lot of positive things about an undrafted free agent the Dolphins picked up from Oregon. Safety... Uh, Vera McKinley, what does Ben think of him and how will he fit into a talented Dolphin secondary? Well, that's a, a very good point. It is uh, a, a solid Dolphin secondary, no doubt about that. So where does Vera McKinley fit in there? And who is he? Tell us a bit more about him. So he um, he is someone who I expected to see drafted. Um, mm. I'll be honest. Um, he had a really, really good season um, at Oregon. He was someone who would just always be kind of making he would always make an impact. Um, I expected him to be kind of a, perhaps like a fourth round pick. So this is a, this is a real bargain, I think, for the Dolphins. Um, that his potential out of all the undrafted free agents, he is, he is one of the best. There's, it's, such a, it's such a low risk thing when you mm. take on um, an undrafted free agent, especially someone who is particularly, particularly talented. I think he is someone who will perhaps be used kind of situationally I don't think he's necessarily going to kind of be a like a an every an every down starter, mm-hmm. but he can do he can do he can do a bit of everything, right? He's a he's an intelligent player. He'll be able to put him in anywhere. I think he'd said like you know he he wants to learn every position in the secondary that mm-hmm. he wants to be able to do it. He wants to do it all. I think he's going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder um, that he was undrafted, um, and he's someone who I think. Dolphins fans will in a year or two time be like, can you believe we didn't even have to spend a draft pick on this guy? He is, he is, I would be shocked if he is not on that, on that day one roster. And there's a lot of undrafted free agents who kind of look good, but then they don't actually make the roster. Mm. He is going to make that roster. So love it. Yeah. There's, they would be crazy to let him, to let him slip by now. Brilliant. There you go. Uh, AK, there's your answer from the man himself, the sage liked to Matthew Berry for that one. Uh, ben Isaacs, brilliant stuff. Ben at tweets from Ben is how you follow him on Twitter. Make sure you do. There's some brilliant stuff, not just uh, on college and rookies, but across the NFL. And of course, he's part of our all pro lineup here on the NC show. So you'll be hearing a lot more from him over the coming weeks and months. Great to see you, bud. Look after yourself. I'll speak to you soon. Lovely stuff from Ben. He'll be back very soon. You can count on that. Next up in the hot seat, Greg Rosenthal. No less. Really looking forward to catching up with Greg. We're recording that on Tuesday. So we'll probably drop it, I'd say Wednesday morning. It depends uh, how focused Propo is feeling. But yeah, brilliant stuff uh, from Ben. And I'm sure uh, Greg will step up to the plate, given he is one of the best in the business. And I'm really looking forward to getting into all kinds of stuff with him. So if you've got questions for the great Greg Rosenthal, fire them over at the NC Show, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Still no TikTok. We'll do our very best to get into them. All right, gang. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.